welcome to another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Now's the time to help us out, and there are so many ways you can. Subscribe, leave us a review, share your favorite episode, become a sponsor, or do all of the above. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheaterTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. From New York to New Jersey to Pennsylvania to Connecticut, from impeachment to podcasts, is there a place you can't find this glam nominee? It's the hilarious Pissy Miles. Hello. Hello. I think hilarious is subjective. There are a lot of people who would disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I find you hilarious, so I'm going to use that as the word. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good, and I, I have to say congratulations on your glam nominations. Thank you, and congratulations for yours. Thank uh, you. We are nominated in the same category, and may the best woman win. <laughs> yes, I'm so, I'm so excited for Bob and Monet. Exactly. That was <laughs> I was talking to my husband about it, and obviously, like when it comes to a, a situation like this, where so many of the nominations come from, uh, kind of the general public's mm-hmm. opinion, it really kind of is just an honor to be nominated because it. Yeah. What people are thinking of you, but I was like, "We're nominated against sibling rivalry." I, I'm not going to hold my breath on this, right? One. Yeah, I was like, "Okay, well, it is what it is." Um, but for me, it was like I, I've been doing this for like five years now. It was an honor to finally know that people accept podcasting as an actual art form, and we're getting recognized for it finally. Yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of people who uh, who have been involved in podcasting. I only started my podcast. Uh, a year and change ago i mean Mm -hmm. we started producing it two years ago almost to the month at this point but um it was like a year and a half ago that we started releasing episodes and and doing all that so i know what a headache it can be yeah (laughs) very rewarding but it can be quite a headache and i was close friends with robert and daniel from grizzly kiki do you know them Mm -hmm. i don't i know of them i don't know them personally Oh, they are the they are the sweetest, most lovely, amazing people in the entire world. They are two of uh, my husband and my best friends. We love, love, love them very, very dearly. Uh, and they're actually the reason at the end of my podcast, it says uh, my spooky gay family. It, it, uh, what, oh, fuck. I say this every week and I can't remember the line. Um, uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. And that's actually an in-joke between us and Robert and Daniel from Grizzly Kiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because when we started the podcast, they had been doing Grizzly Kiki for years. That was right. actually how I met them. And they uh, had given us so much help and helpful advice. And just like we're so selfless in, in the amount of information that they gave us. Uh, and so it was like our way of saying thank you every episode. Nice. Doing this little in-joke between all of us. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, for the listeners, um, I have the same intro and outro adjusted every time a little bit, but I have to read it because I can't memorize it. I, I've done 230 something episodes. I still can't memorize that shit. <laughs> It's a lot. People think they're like, oh, if you've done it 10 times, you've done it 100 and you'll just remember it. And it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes it just like is 
you you forget how much your brain just like shuts off in a yeah. weird especially because on ours my my podcast for anyone who doesn't know is called my spooky gay family and we talk about spooky shit and pagan shit and uh horror movies and all kinds of stuff and every episode we close out with a quote from one of our favorite horror movies or a, mo a favorite movie of ours or something like that and so i every episode i have to credit the source of the quote because we play a small snippet of it mm -hmm. and so i always end up having to like read it again but for some reason the words changing just the smallest idiots videos little bit uh -huh. Throws my brain into a tailspin. It's like I can't do this. I don't yeah. know. What it, it, I I delete everything if it I, if I mess up. But all oh the the blooper reel that I would have would be glorious for the listeners. I wish sometimes that I kept all my blooper tracks because I have some doozies. I mm -hmm. have some crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to learn about you, and we're going to talk a lot more about my spooky gay family uh, a little bit, but. I like to start from the beginning. Where are you originally from? Uh, I I grew up and still live in New Jersey, although mm -hmm. I'm from New York City. Um, I grew up in a really small town in, it, it's debatable whether it's North Jersey or Central Jersey and if Central Jersey even exists. Central Jersey does not exist. I am from North Jersey. There's a North Jersey and a South Jersey. There's only Taylor ham, no pork roll. That's, that's the, those are the rules. <laughs> Wait, you're from New Jersey? I am, and we're gonna get to a connection. I don't want to spoil it yet, but yes, I'm from New Jersey. Oh my goodness, I'm 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 so interested to find out whereabouts. I'll I'll be honest because I actually said this on my podcast, so I'll say it on yours too. I grew up in a little town called Berkeley Heights, uh, mm -hmm. North Jersey. It is near a town. It like the biggest town nearby is like Summit or Morristown. Mm -hmm. um, it's this tiny little white bread town that is like there's like no diversity nothing good in it it's just like i mean the schools are great and some of the neighbor like it's a safe town it's it's one of those like typical suburbs it's like it's yeah. safe the schools are good but like everyone's kind of racist and conservative and it, it's not a great place to grow up if yeah. you're if you're like us and you and you're even slightly different and let alone being a person of color um so I grew up in Berkeley Heights. I went to I went through the schools there, and then I went to Montclair State University uh, for college, and I studied musical theater, and then I became the monster that you all know. <laughs> so Montclair State, what was what drew you to Montclair State? Uh, the fact that I got rejected from Pace. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good answer, good answer. Um, Don't you think like? everyone had that one school that they were like well i'm gonna try and see what happens and i really wanted to go to pace because my best friend from high school had gone to pace for musical theater and i wanted to go into that program because uh, obviously i wanted to be near her but mm -hmm. it was also just a really great program and so i ended up getting rejected and i ended up going to montclair and in the end i actually think it was better for me because i saved a lot of money and i still got a really great education um but i did i i I really loved going to Montclair, but as an adult, there's a part of me that sits there and goes, my God, what was I thinking going to college? <laughs> That's fair. I, I understand that. So I, when I posted that you were going to be on the podcast, I always ask the listeners for questions or what or tea time suggestions. And literally maybe a minute after I posted it, someone messaged me and said, oh my God, I can't wait to hear. I know Pissy from college. Oh no. And that person happens to be my ex-girlfriend and your senior year 
uh, college roommate, Cody Mildy. Cody, I love Cody. Mm -hmm. Wait, when you say ex-girlfriend. Correct, that was in high school. Ah, oh yes. no. Oh, she got the block talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we dated my senior year. Uh, uh, she was two years younger than I was. Um, yeah, so that's that's our connection. Well, she was one year younger than I was. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I, I, I do love Cody. Cody and I were very close, uh, especially in our senior year because we ended up living together. Um, and she's just the sweet, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Funny little connection that is. I know, and I, I I wish we had met and interacted sooner, so we would have made that connection. Um, I know. I know. It's crazy. And, and, like she's she's so sweet, and she has a kid now, which is yep. crazy. Um, I I love Cody, and I miss her dearly. We, she and I lived in an apart an on campus apartment together. With Monica Mann, who I know as well. Mann, who is absolutely wonderful, and. Uh, well, I won't get into uh, her business. It's nothing. It's nothing uh, bad. It's just something that happened recently that I felt really terrible about. Um, I love, love, love Monica, and I miss her dearly. And Allie Chan was our our fourth mm -hmm. roommate. And I love, love Allie is actually amazing. She produces a podcast and now lives in LA and is involved in TV production. Very, very funny. Very talented. Such. They're such. All three of them are such talented people and and kind wonderful people yeah I, that's what i miss about college because not to be not to be rude but you know you go out into the workforce and you meet so many people and i i know so 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 many wonderful people through what i do i meet so you know how it is we we yeah. work in the same circles you meet really really wonderful people but then there are some people who are just really not great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. And sometimes I long for the days of like more simplicity, which is what, what college kind of reminds me. It's like yeah. at the time it seemed so dire, but now it's like, my God, if only things were that simple. Again. Yeah. It, it, it was a very much a time for me of, of, of innocence. Like I, I went to Boston university as a stage oh. management major. Stage? Um, so Yeah. So, so theater's always been in my blood, but it was it was glorified and beautiful when you went to college, and then you try to do it in the real world. You're like, oh, oh, it's it's not the same. We, it's not as fun. There's money, actual money involved this time. Yeah, and people are expecting me to give it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, expecting it's... not only make the money, but also to give it to other people for services. Exactly. Like a home. <laughs> yeah. Um. So after you graduated, I'm assuming you you, you did the hustle. You did the the audition world. I did I I hit the ground running I I I after my senior showcase I did get an agent in New York City mm -hmm. who was kind of crazy uh she was well meaning and she was very nice but she uh she was a bit nuts mm -hmm. she was a bit crazy and I don't think she knew what to do with me and I, to be fair to her i at the time did not know what to do with me either right, right. <laughs> so, uh it was a, it was a, a bit chaotic and i would i would audition and audition and audition and I, I would get to like final callbacks for everything and not book anything i'm telling you not a fucking thing and it yeah. was so depressing and my agent would always say oh the the criticism i get the most often is that you have a receding hairline 
and so she would she kept trying to convince me to get hair restoration surgery and do all this stuff and i was like it was gr back then it was like grizzly the right. surgery was grizzly and I, I don't know if you've ever looked into it you have a beautiful hairline so i can't imagine you have so far so good <laughs> I, I i have been using hymns so like my hair's been getting better since quarantine good for you darling keep using him uh which is my motto by the way and uh <laughs> i I decided not to get the surgery. I left my agent, but I, I felt so like lost because I was like, I'm I'm a good performer. There's no reason I shouldn't be working. And I felt like a fucking star. I was like, I'm really great at what I do, not to sound too immodest, but uh, I, I knew that I was good at what I did, good enough to be working, not necessarily, I, like I didn't think I was Meryl Streep, but I knew that I was good enough to be working. And, um, that was around the time I met my husband. I was just kind of getting to the point where I was done doing conventional theater the way I'd been doing it. Mm -hmm. And my husband was the one who actually said to me, he was like, you know, I think you'd be a really great drag queen. And I was like, yeah, but it's not a career. And then of course, Drag Race took off. And I was like, well, I'll try anything once. So I started to do it, but I had a lot of hesitation because... I was like, I, I, I thought of myself as an actor, as a, as a right. musical theater actor. And I was like, I, this feels cheap. But then the more I did it, the more I realized I was like, oh, I'm utilizing skills that I always had that I wasn't even getting to use that much right. in musical theater. So uh, it kind of became like an unknown passion. I didn't realize how much I would love it. And now I can't imagine myself not doing it. It seems like silly to think that I almost didn't do it. I'm excited to learn the story behind it, but I would love to know the origin of your drag name because it is excellent. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, actually, in, in a strange way. Um, it is it is just the reverse of the letters in Missy mm -hmm. Pyle's name. <laughs> and Missy Pyle is... Uh, uh, a really, really amazing character actress from Hollywood, and she's done yeah. theater. And uh, a lot of people know her from like Gone Girl or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Dodgeball or Galaxy Quest, all these mm -hmm. really amazing movies that, of course, are movies I grew up loving. And then when I was in college, I had a friend who was somehow involved in the production of her show at Joe's Pub. Okay. And, um, so everything was just like, Missy Pyle this and Missy Pyle that and Missy Pyle, Missy Pyle, Missy Pyle, Missy Pyle. And um, so I had her name in the back of my head. And then my husband <laughs> had like nixed every drag name I came up with, every single one. He was like, oh, I don't like it. It's not good. I don't like it. And um, <laughs> Christmas morning, we were driving to my sister's house and I turned on Christmas music because I fucking love Christmas music. It's like my favorite music of all time. Mm -hmm. And my husband was like, oh, can we turn off the Christmas music? And of course we got into like, uh, like, -na 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 -na. like we, we were going at it over the Christmas music and he knew he would get my goat if he was like, do you want to talk about your drag name? And I was like, you know what? You're turning me into pissy miles in a minute. And it stuck. I love it. Yeah, she she's brilliant. Um, I remember growing up watching um, Bringing Down the House and the bathroom scene with her and Queen Latifah is one of the best cinematic moments, I think. 
really can i tell you something i've never seen bringing down the house and oh, don't so good. <laughs> oh my god it's so good they get into this fight and they're like throwing each other around the bathroom it's so funny really it's so good mm -hmm. oh, it's so funny i've yeah. no i don't know anything about i'll have to look up the scene yeah i yeah your your name is so fucking good because she's a brilliant you're brilliant and and obviously the two of you have connected and yeah. and done, done a couple of things together she's first of all amazing she is an amazing actor like such a talented actor mm -hmm. and then you talk to her and she's so like funny and down to earth and sweet and kind and so after the impeachment uh she had reached out we had we had kind of touched base before that we had spoken a couple times but after the impeachment was when uh she had been like oh i really want to call you i want to call you and we had spoken on the phone before and i'd said okay let's set up a phone call and we just started having these like midnight conversations because obviously she's three hours behind me i'm on the east coast right. she's on the west coast and we would just stay up all night like talking and joking and it just turned into like this really fast friendship and now it's, i i think she's just wonderful i can't say enough nice things it's amazing her. yeah she's how, how how would you describe pissy in three words fat funny and fabulous <laughs> i love it love that she's she's uh she's over the top she's camp she's uh she's weird i i, I think the nice thing about pissy is that she kind of touches all the bases of my personality which is like mm -hmm. I like spooky shit. And so Pissy Miles likes spooky shit, but she's not all about spooky shit. She's right. also about comedy and classic gay shit and history and theater. And there's just a lot of sides of her. And I never feel, I guess, confined by anything. Yeah. I never feel like I have to stick to my guns on anything. She can be so many different things. And I love that about her. <laughs> How long does it take to transform into Pissy? Too fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> It's usually about, uh, it's like two hours. If, I, if okay. I'm if i really dedicated and I'm like, we're going to get this done real quick, it's like two hours. But if I can give myself like two and a half or three, I will. Because I, I prefer, I just prefer not to rush myself. I'm a very like, off on stage, I'm like neurotic and crazy, but off stage, mm -hmm. I'm very mellow. And so I love to be able to like, take my time shaving and sing in the shower and then I go into my my bathroom where I paint and I I turn on a podcast and I listen to the podcast and I'll stop in the middle and have a snack and like like it's very leisurely when it can be yeah now when you sing in the shower are you singing the songs you'll be doing later that night or are you doing whatever you're feeling it is whatever I'm feeling and usually it's songs that I don't get to sing on stage mm -hmm. because I, I know I was just saying I don't feel confined to anything, but sure. a lot of times when I'm pissy, I don't I don't do some of the more dramatic songs. Mm -hmm. And so in the shower, it tends to be a lot of like uh, William Finn, Stephen Sondheim, uh, some of the more like the quiet, really uh, intimate Liza songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of style, even some Bette Midler that is more of like the like I'll lean more towards the rose in the shower rather than, uh, you know, any of her other songs. Right. Torch songs, shower songs. Exactly. I love a torch song. I love the man that got away. Mm -hmm. And 
it's not that I wouldn't sing those in drag. It would just have to be really the right moment. Right. It's not a song I would just pull out anywhere. Right. Um, and so I just get it out in the shower and then I go and sing about farts and felching <laughs> at the club. <laughs> Do you have any favorite makeup products? What, uh, what can you tell the kids that they should be using? Well, I'll tell you, I love Mehron Cream Blend foundation that is my mm -hmm. foundation a lot of people i used to use tv paint stick and then they changed the formula and it got really dry and kind of cakey mm. and um i had trouble with it sticking to my skin for some reason it would like come off in patches and oh, no after, yeah after they changed the formula it was a it was a total fuck up and i remember i was talking to daniel from grizzly kiki about it because he was using tv paint stick at the time as well and he said that he actually called Cryolon to complain. And they were like, oh, we know we had to change the formula back to what it used to be in America. We had it, they had been, they had brought the formula from Germany to America mm -hmm. and then for some reason had to change it in America. Weird. It was so strange and it dried it out. And they were like, if you want to get the old consistency back, we have this other product that you can buy and like, add into it like mix into it and he was Interesting. like and it was like these sticks are like 18 dollars mm -hmm. why would i buy another product to make them work so i immediately was like fuck this and i remember at one point i had bought a mayron stick because uh alcone was out of tv paint stick in my shade and so i had bought this mayron stick thinking i'll have it as a backup just in case and I ended up using it and really loved the texture. And so I switched to that. So I suggest Mehron, uh Cream Blend Stick. I think it's Cream Blend Stick. Mm -hmm. I also, and I hate to say this because obviously I'm not, I'm not proud to give him my money, but uh, I do love the James Charles Morphe palette. <laughs> it's got every color you need. So good. And it's like, God damn it. Why does this have to have his name on it? Right? <laughs> Okay, so like if you were going to create a Pissy Miles palette, what colors are necessary for it? Um, definitely like a vibrant, like bubblegum pink. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bright, like a, like a Hollywood lip, a Hollywood red lip red. Okay. Uh, and that's not a lipstick, it's a shadow, but it would be like that bright, bright, like yeah. crimson-y red uh, and shit brown. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe pissy. Nice. <laughs> Who are some of the first people that helped you out in your drag journey? Oh, there were so many people. And I, I thank all of them so, so much. The first one that comes to mind is a really, really, really amazing queen uh, who was the first person to ever book me. She was the first person to ever let me on a stage. And her name is Christy Girlington. She is from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Ooh. I thought that was like, me. No, that was my computer. Weird. <laughs> Evil. I, was so I hate Big Sir. <laughs> Big Brother is like, stop talking about Christy Girlington. <laughs> Christy Girlington, I have nothing but love for. She's still down in Asbury Park. Although these days she doesn't do drag as much. Uh, she's more into the leather community. Mm -hmm. Great for her. Uh, Lady Marissa from Asbury Park, New Jersey is another just amazing, 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 amazing queen. Um, 
who else? The goddess Isis from Philadelphia, just phenomenal. Brittany Lynn from Philadelphia, from New York, Jasmine Rice. Uh, so many of my friends in, in New York, even people like Bob the Drag Queen, Monet Exchange, um, people who were just local queens when I was coming up and who were so kind and, and you know, people like Dusty and mm -hmm. Britta and Peppermint and um, Cracker, like all these people who I was booking, I used to joke because when I first, not when I first started doing drag, but when I started getting popular in drag, I was working in Philly primarily. Mm -hmm. and um, I had a show there called What Makes Me Pissy. And I used to book all my friends from New York there every month. It was a monthly show. And I would bring one local queen from Philly and one New York queen. And it was like, I would bring Monet down and then she got on Drag Race. I would bring Bob down and then he got on Drag Race. I would bring Cracker down and she would get on, and she got on Drag Race. Peppermint. It was like all these people, Britta. And it was, I was like, apparently this is like <laughs> the last step before you get on. <laughs> is just to be in what makes me pissy. Of course, it never worked for me. So. Not yet. There's still time. Well, the show's closed, so it's too late. <laughs> How would you describe New Jersey drag? Because you do, you do get to work in New York, you get in New Jersey, you, get all, you, get, you go all over. But how would you describe New Jersey drag to a New York audience? New Jersey drag is, it's so strange in the way it's a bit indefinable. Okay. And it sounds strange, but uh, I don't know. Do you do you attend a lot of drag shows in in New Jersey? I have not been able to. I mean, I we're we're close enough to Feathers, but I've I've never been able to get out oh, there. I love Feathers. I've been working at Feathers even through the pandemic. They gave me mm -hmm. a brunch, which has just been wonderful. And I I have nothing but nice things to say about them. It's an amazing amazing club here in in North Jersey, and uh, I love Jose and Paul and. Uh, I'm I'm just hoping that by the time all of this is done, we'll still have everything we came with. Yeah. Um, Jersey drag is, it's much more pageanty. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of Latinx queens, and so they like kind. They love a bop. They love to dance. They love the uh, the really well choreographed numbers, um, and that's why it was kind of funny for me coming up through it because there are not a lot of comedy queens in New Jersey. There really aren't. There, We're out there, but it's a little harder to come by. I think you run into a lot more of the shablam artists. And, right. You know what I mean? And and no tea, I'm not, I have nothing bad to say about them. It's just a different style from what I do. And so I think that was why, at least for me coming up in that scene, in a strange way, like, it was simultaneously more difficult, but also easier because right. it's like there wasn't a place for me necessarily, but everyone loved what I did because it was different. Mm -hmm. It was because my, my drag was not about the songs or, or not about like the dance songs. It was more about the comedy and the, um, like the camp and the humor. And so people were really hungry for that. And so I got started at, Georgie's in Asbury Park. Mm -hmm. To this day, I call it my home bar no matter where I am because nice. it is the very first place I ever performed in drag. And I I love Joe Cole. I love my whole Georgie's family, Scooty and uh 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 
Daddy Hoffman, all a uh, Beth, all my people down there at at Georgie's, Lisa, all my all my favorite people down there at Georgie's. Uh, I I love them so dearly because every time I walk in the door, it feels like I'm coming home. And I remember after the after everything happened with the impeachment, um, I had been booked at an event there even prior to what happened. And then after the impeachment, they were like, oh, I know things are crazy right now. So if you don't want to come, like if your schedule is too busy, don't worry about it. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, I will be there and I will, I will bring people to your event. And I remember I walked in the building and it was like, I get like a little emotional thinking of it because I walked in the bar and everyone like turned and saw me and it just like everyone just like erupted applause. Yeah. It was like one of those things where you're so much a part of a community and everyone is so in love with each other and so supportive and, and loving of, of everyone. That is my favorite thing about the Georgie's family. It's like you walk in and you literally are family and I just, it, it brings me so much joy to have a place like that, that I can go back to all the time uh, and, and feel that way. I love, love, love Georgie's. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I've not been able to get down there. I was hoping over the summer to maybe take a trip. And then I saw um, some hotel costs. I was like, nope, I can't afford that right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll postpone it for a, another summer. Yeah. I mean, it, it's become so expensive. Uh, and it's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, unfortunately we've seen the gentrification of Asbury park mm -hmm. and in some ways it's good because the town has gotten safer and more accepting and, uh, you know, in those ways it's better, but also, you know, anytime there's gentrification, you see kind of the forcing out of a population who right. this was their home, this was their town. And, you know, people get priced out of their own communities and it's not, uh, it's not fair. It's not fair to watch the people who made it such a wonderful town that everyone wanted to be there get priced out of it. All and yeah. and it's, uh, unfortunately, almost always people of color. And so it, it just it it makes me sad. But my hope is that we can find a way to uh, make the town. I don't know, more accessible to everyone instead yeah. of making it this elite place. <laughs> That's true. You alluded to it, and I think it's a good segue to start discussing it, but a little over a year ago, the impeachment number one of Donald Trump began, and you went down to D.C. to cover it, and it made headlines. Why was it important for you to be present? Well, there were a few reasons. Um you know, the first of which being that I, I hate him. <laughs> I really, yeah. I, I, there are very few people in the world that I don't have a nice thing to say about. And Donald Trump is absolutely one of them. I think he's just ruined this country. I think he has robbed people. I think he's taken advantage of people. I think he's mm -hmm. lied to people. And I think he's, he's created so much divisiveness and he's, I shouldn't say he created it, but he stoked it. He encouraged it. And he, instead of trying to close the gap, he pushed it farther apart. Yeah. And um, so when the impeachment proceedings were starting to happen, uh, I was doing a show at Barracuda called Pigs in a Blanket. And 
Jack Bury, the political director for HAPS, which is the company that ended up bringing me down, mm -hmm. came up to me after my show and he was like, I think you're really funny. And I was like, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And he was like, we're looking for someone to go down to the impeachment hearings and be kind of a correspondent for this news app called HAPS. And uh, we want it to be someone who's funny and accessible to young people because we want young people to be staying informed. But we know that they'll tune out if it's just regular news coverage. We want them to be getting good, legitimate news, but in an entertaining way. And he was like, you seem really well informed. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I listen to NPR and I, I am a politically involved person. Uh, and so I agreed to do it. But of course, in my mind, I was like, how many times have you been at a bar and someone's like, oh my God, here's my card. I'm going to call you. We're going to do this. And so I right. thought I'd hear from them again. And then that was Sunday. I believe I went down on, uh, the, the impeachment was on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. And on Monday, <laughs> uh, I got a call from Jack and he was like, okay, this is what's happening. You're going to stay here and this is what time we need you there and I'm going to get you press credentials and this, and I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. Um, and so it, it became obvious to me that I was going to have an opportunity to get young people involved. And as a progressive voter, because that is what I consider myself, a lot of the criticism is that young people don't become politically involved. They don't stay politically involved. Right. And so finding any way to get young people, and we're talking like 18 to 35, young people involved in political discourse, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to dance through the halls of the Longworth building and I'm going to cause a scene and I'm and you know I got to talk to a lot of really important people in some cases people I didn't realize were as important as they were when I talked to them uh but I also got to bring a lot of attention to a really important cause and and other because of that it snowballed into so many other amazing causes that I was able to support uh and so that was my primary motivation was you know going down to uh, to keep people involved and to make people aware of what exactly was happening, that it wasn't some small thing. Did you have any reservations? Uh, well, <laughs> yes, but not in the way I think most people would think. Um, I watch a lot of true crime. I, I love true crime. I, I listen to My Favorite Murder and Crime Junkies and... I watch all the HBO documentaries and I'm, I'm the one who sits here. Like my husband is out right now. I'm home alone. You're welcome. Come and kill me. Uh, <laughs> and so like when we're done, I'll probably turn on the uh, Night Stalker documentary. That just it's very out. good. I'm so. It's so good. I, I did it in the night. I did it in one sitting. Did you really? I did. Well, the I'm, other day. I, it was so good. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm probably going to turn it on and like turn the lights off and scare the shit out of myself in my. <laughs> apartment tonight uh and so when when i was getting ready to go down to dc they were talking about like travel and who was going with who and and like me driving two strangers down who were part of the haps team and blah blah blah, blah. and so i started to think i was like i was like am i about to get like kidnapped <laughs> like i really thought i was going to be floating in the potomac i really honest to god thought i was like 
dead. I thought I was like, I'm going to be a true crime documentary. But um, that was the thing that scared me more than anything else because drag to me, it's like I go out in places I'm not supposed to be in drag, in right. drag all the fucking time. So it's like, it didn't even occur to me. I told people at the time that morning I got up at like, I had to be there at 7 a.m. So I got mm. up at like 4 to be ready to get out the door because I was anticipating it would be crazy getting to the Longworth building sure. in the middle of the Capitol. Um, and so I got an Uber from my hotel room and my husband went down with me to make sure that I didn't get kidnapped and murdered. And <laughs> I got in my Uber and I was like on Facebook on the way there and just like, miserable because I was like tired and cranky and all this stuff and then the car pulled up to the Longworth building and I opened the door and got out and I turned and looked and down th there's this huge the Longworth building where where Congress is all mm -hmm. the congressional offices and the congressional me uh, uh, meeting room there's this long 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 stone staircase from the entrance to the building to the sidewalk <clears throat> and all the way down the, the stairs, there were just cameras and video cameras and all this stuff. And I just saw all of them at the same time, like, woof. and I yeah. was like, and it was like that very moment. I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I'm not at the mall. I'm at right. Congress. And it was like, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember that day, like getting all these alerts and messages from people and being like, look, who's there. Look, who's there. And I was like, this is incredible. Like this is, this is what America is now. Yeah. And thank God, thank God. That's what America is now. And I hope it gets bigger and better. Absolutely. And I had said at the time, because someone asked me, they were like, do you think you're going to be going back for the rest of the days? And I was like, well, I can't, my schedule is a little crazy, but uh, because I obviously had shows and things to do over the course of the next few days. And I was like, I can't be there, but I hope other people go. I hope mm -hmm. other drag queens go because it's like, we talk all the time about the importance of visibility, but in order for there to be visibility, you have to be visible. You have to right. be willing to put yourself out on the front lines. And one of the things I talked a lot about at the time was that to me, when I think of drag queens, I'm not a pageant queen and more power to them. If that's your drag, that's your drag do it be you to me a drag queen is like divine yeah. it, it's lady bunny it's those like immeasurable presences that just you see it and it's immediately in your face and one of the first images that came to mind that morning when i got there was there was an image once of the westboro baptist church at a pride uh march mm -hmm. and there was this huge like eight foot tall drag queen just like getting in their faces and literally like pushing them back from the march and making sure that they weren't harassing people who were there to celebrate their pride and i was like that to me is what my drag is i'm an entertainer and a comedian and i'm a professional performer but i'm also kind of like i'm the i'm the gate keeper for our, our community. And I don't mean that in a certain people are allowed, certain people aren't allowed. I mean that in, uh, if you're going to fuck with my friends, you're going to fuck with me first. Right. And so 
putting on my drag that day and and I think most days is like putting on my armor every time I walk out of my apartment and I'm getting the stairs and I know people are taking pictures of me and talking about me as I walk by it's like I do this so that the young people the young queer people who are in middle school and high school and elementary school who are coming up are going to come up in an easier environment than we did because i'm sure you and i are about the same age and you know as well as i do how drastically it's changed even since when we were in high school absolutely and if i can make it easier for somebody else then i'm going to do it and i'm going to keep putting on the armor and going out and making sure that we can dance at our marches <laughs> i love that well this also helped launch you onto the logo 30 this year it did it was a really big honor yeah what what did it feel like to get that honor it was just so surreal. It was like, I was amidst names that I was like, I was like, in what world am I doing as much as these people? And in, in actuality, the answer is I'm probably not. But I do know that anything I can do to create more visibility, to create more um, safety, to create more discussion, to create more... Uh, acceptance is important and so to be able to have done that even one time just feels it makes me so proud that's yeah. that's pride is to be able to say i'm going out and making a difference whether it's in a really small way or in a really big way and uh it, it was just really lovely it was really wonderful and i met some absolutely wonderful wonderful people i love that well it, it, it's a year later and the man has been impeached again how did we get here and why in a fucking handbasket to hell i think is how we got here it just it's like every step it's been like an escalator down into the seventh circle it is just yeah. terrible the last four years just it's like riding it's like that line from the birdcage when he's like it's like i'm riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable like that's that is how 2016 to 2020 felt for me uh and the the answer is, I I don't think that we got here because of Trump. I think mm -hmm. that he, like I said, he's he fanned the flames. But I think the people who are really to blame are people like Ted Cruz mm -hmm. and Mitch McConnell and uh, Marco Rubio and all of these awful, awful, awful Republican legislators who have been paving the way for this they've been using coded language and nonsense and bullshit to get us yeah. to the point this whole time <clears throat> none of this is new people have been talking like this for years way before trump so, right. as from what i can remember since like bush mm -hmm. and it's like, this is not new the the republican party has been courting this demographic of kind of lowest level education for a long time because it's easy when you when you deprive people of an education it's easy to convince them of things that are ridiculous right. it's easy to convince them that oh this person took it from you it wasn't me it was this person it's easy to convince them that immigrants are the ones taking their jobs and not right. that the ceo who bought a plane this year couldn't afford to hire more people you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, and so do I think Trump, Trump was terrible and he was dangerous and he incited violence and he 
pushed us all farther apart, but the gap was already there. And it was because yeah. of like, like I said, Mitch McConnell and uh, Marco Rubio and what's his name, Paul Ryan and all of these really t Ted Cruz, all these terrible people who have been spinning this propaganda for so long that that liberals are are elitists and that we hate people and that we want to take things from them. And it's like that's nothing could be further from the truth. We're Absolutely. trying to give you more. Mm -hmm. and you don't want it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's wild to me. And like, I, I know that at least for me, I'm very much in the safe bubble when it comes to social media. I rarely have that Trump support of the Republican on my feed. If, if it happens, I look into who this person is, why I'm even friends with them, and then decided from there. But like yeah. someone like my mom, who is very liberal, she just got um, told she can't post in any groups for, until next week because she shuts people down for their conspiracy theories. And people are reporting her. And I'm like, that's insane. I should be the problematic one, not you. But it, it's, I he always ask her, it's like, who are these people? And she's like, well, it's people I grew up with in Richfield Park and they are still in Richfield Park and they are not good people. But you know what? Good for her. Good for your mom. Because, I mean, I have kind of the opposite situation where my dad is very conservative. Uh, and I love my dad a lot. I've said that a million times, but um, it's it's difficult. It's difficult when you have such fundamental differences of opinion with someone um, and I, obviously my dad is, I don't think my dad is a hateful person, but I think he's misled. Right. Uh, and so it, it becomes very challenging. It's difficult to have these conversations because in my experience, even when you tell them, <clears throat> listen, I respect where you're coming from, but I think you might be a little misled about this. You get the same responses if you told them they should, you know, stick a fucking spiked dildo up their ass it's like it doesn't matter if you come in hot it doesn't matter if you come in cool it's like you're gonna get the same response no matter mm -hmm. what you say so it's like my opinion is i used to be a lot more dipl diplomatic about this even at the time of the first impeachment i was more diplomatic about it yeah. and these days it's more like you know what nope. if, if this is the hill you want to die on be my guest. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you. I'm just going to, I'm going to work around you now because yeah. I'm, I'm done with this bullshit. It's like you lost all, almost all of the major branches of, of government. And uh, now you want unity. Meanwhile, for the last four years, it was fuck your feelings. It's like, right. I'm, I'm done with this shit. I'm done with this gaslighting nonsense. If this is the game you want to play, then I say play it. Let's play. We've been playing Yahtzee and they're playing fucking Stratego. And <laughs> guys, like, it's it's time to start playing the game. Yeah. We, we're done now. Because if we don't, we're going to lose again. Yeah, I, I, I keep watching MSNBC from here and there uh, since the attack happened. And this morning when I was watching, um, Omarosa was on. Oh, Everyone remembers Omarosa. And she's talking about, like, well, they're trying to keep him busy, like to discuss like how he's going to launch Trump book. And Alex Witt's like, what? She's like, you know, Trump's version of Facebook. Oh, he like, is so enamored that he gets kicked off of things. He's going to create his own version and bring his people there. You know what? Let them go and let the FBI just hurt him up. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that's what's so ridiculous is all these people are going to keep following and not realize how badly they're into it. I know it's a cult of personality. Mm -hmm. He says all the things that racist white people wanted to say for years, and they felt 
like it was inappropriate for them to say it. And then someone finally said to them, you know what? I'm going to let you say it. I'm going to say, go ahead, be openly racist, be openly bigoted, be openly stupid. Yeah. And they were like, oh, great. And it's like, he's making money off of them. Yes. And that's the only reason he's doing it. He doesn't give a shit about what they think. He doesn't give a shit about if they have a place to talk, but he knows that he can make money off of them on, on Trump book. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? Let them all go and talk there and let them all get rounded up because that's what's happening on social media. Now they're all getting rounded up by the FBI and and arrested. So go for it, go do it. And that's what I mean when I say I've adopted this, this kind of mentality of, you know what? Go ahead, do it. Because my dad was talking about something last night. And I won't I won't go into the specifics because it was I don't think it would be appropriate, but he was talking about like having this reaction with a coworker and he was like, I'm done being silenced. I'm done doing this. And it's like my brothers were saying to him, Dad, you're gonna end up being one of those crazy people on the news. You're gonna end up getting fired. You're gonna end up getting this. You're gonna end up getting that. And I was like, you know what? Go for it. Do it see what happens and see because it's like i sit here it's like climate change we've been warning everybody about climate change for 30 fucking years and they look at us and tell us we're crazy and they look at us and tell us it's not real and now all of a sudden the earth is burning and new jersey hasn't had snow in two years and we're like oh maybe something's wrong and it's like well yeah why do you need to see the proof with uh, like this two inches in front of your fucking face before you believe it? So if that's what you need to believe that maybe you might be wrong in this instance, go ahead, go get fired, go get, go get whatever, go hang yourself on this hill and see if anyone comes to save you because I'm not going to. Yeah. That's kind of where I am. And it it's, it's not that I wish bad upon them. I'm just done being the bumpers on this fucked up bowling alley. It's like, you want to throw a gutter ball and you don't want, and you want to pretend that it's everyone else's fault that you didn't get a strike, go ahead. But then I'm going to take the bumpers down and you're going to watch your ball roll down the gutter. So Mm -hmm. there it is. That's how I I didn't mean to get so fucking angry. (laughs) No, I love it. I love these kinds of conversations, but let's lighten it up a little bit. I mean, the Trump horror story is almost over and perhaps maybe one day when the movie's made, You'll talk about it on your podcast, My Spooky Gay Family. Maybe. Um, you co-host it with your sis, Sam. I do. My sister, Sam Baxter. How you, you talked about how it was created a little bit, but why did you want to do it? It was kind of a funny thing. I feel like all my stories uh, start the same way. My husband was like, you guys are so funny. You should do this. And that that's really how everything in my life happens is my husband goes, you should do this. And I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'll do <laughs> Um, and it's just, you know, I'm one of five siblings and of the five of us, four of us are gay and all five of my siblings are very, very close. Uh, we see each other all the time. We're very involved in each other's lives. We, we love each other very dearly. We play games. We, we go away together. We, we very much value each other in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we've always had this kind of rapport this like kind of shorthand way of speaking where it's like all in movie quotes and jokes and and isms and and you know what i mean yeah we we've always been able to have a really funny conversation really effortlessly because that's just the way we talk to each other because we grew up in such a a crazy uh family and in a crazy home life that it was like 
our escapism was making each other laugh. And uh, that's kind of where we ended up now is that like, as adults, we just love to laugh at everything. Even the darkest of the darkest of the dark topics will laugh at it. Um, and so I don't know, one day my sister and I were having one of those conversations and my husband was like, you guys really need to record these conversations. Be, like people would think these are so funny. And so we initially kind of laughed it off and then we started talking about it and we were like, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea. And, you know, Sam and I have always been very close because we're both pagan and we're both uh, gay and, and we're both really into horror movies and, and all kinds of stuff. And so we decided to just start a podcast where we talked about all the shit we wanted to talk about from politics to scary movies. It's mostly horror stuff and comedy stuff but every once in a while politics creeps in um yeah and that was kind of how it came to be we just one day were like you know what let's start recording this and have some fun with it how did you fall in love with the horror genre oh it, it, i was exposed at a very young age uh i remember when i was very little like probably mm, six or seven i watched the original mini series of Stephen King's it mm -hmm. and that was the thing that did it it was like okay interesting I'm horrified by this thing but I am captivated yeah and from there it was like Jaws and uh Scream Scream was a big one mm -hmm. in my family and Friday the 13th and Interview with the Vampire like all these like amazing movies that we ended up watching as kids, we loved, loved, loved horror movies. And part of that was my parents. Part of it was Sam. Sam loved horror movies, even as a little kid. And so she would want to watch them with us. And uh, that it just kind of became a thing in my family where we love horror movies. We love being scared. We love Halloween. We love going to like haunted houses and, and spooky places and doing ghost tours and things like anything weird new jersey whatever it is <laughs> i know you're from north jersey i know it i know it no weird do you have a favorite weird new jersey oh god i not off the top of my head i i remember like just looking through those magazines the, the books at the uh, at barnes and noble all the time and being like i want to go to these places yeah i think it's that, it's that one street that like um where you feel like you're going backwards that oh, was the one that always stuck with me uh it's not, is it Shades of Death Road? All I even know is I wanted to go. My mom said, absolutely not. I was like, why? She's like, no. You're like, like so do you believe it? She's like, we're not talking about it. And you're not going. <laughs> Your poor mother. Yeah. Your mother. Uh, you're probably going to hate me, though. But like, it, it took me until this quarantine and back in March for me to finally see for the very first time the movie Halloween. <gasps> the 1978 Halloween? Uh-huh. The OG. Oh my god we have we have so many running jokes on our podcast because halloween and scream are like the two pivotal movies in our mm -hmm. family like, well i should say it's scream halloween and friday the 13th are the three like yeah cornerstone movies of our family and so like we have a joke on our podcast where we we always talk about dr loomis because he's so funny donald pleasance is so funny in that yeah. movie we're always like like every time if one of us is like whispering to another one of us the one who heard them will be like hey 
hey Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Because it's like <laughs> Donald Pleasant's trying to sound spooky, but he's right. like actor it's so funny it's like so that's like a big joke on on our podcast we talk about six times i shot him six times that's a big one uh i I watched it for the first time and i was like okay i understand the the appeal of it at the time um but i watched it with um my friend ryan who it's his favorite series of all time ryan is well put together i think i actually have a picture of uh, when we went to see you um at playhouse where you used him as part of your um uh did i use performance him operated boy no i don't remember what it was for i'll, I'll send you the picture like you have um, like a little headlock it's really funny but like <laughs> when we watch this movie he's so obsessed with it he quotes it before the quote oh yeah <laughs> and i'm like ryan shut up like can yeah. i watch it for the first time please um yeah danger of watching it with someone who loves it so dearly is yeah like it would be like watching scream with someone who loved it that movie is so quotable yeah it's impossible to watch it and not say the quotes with it so i i i feel your pain i understand and, and he he's also very much into true crimes as well watches dateline all the time all that stuff oh david loves dateline he, his favorite i don't know if it's favorite but like one um serial killer that we've gotten into after he went to california learned about it was the golden state killer mm. have you watched that documentary uh, yes i did mm-hmm. I, I watched the documentary i started listening to the audiobook but i got like three quarters of the way through when the documentary came out and then i watched the documentary and i was like oh they're exactly the same i don't need to finish the audiobook." interesting yeah well we've only watched three episodes because he's one he was like i just want to hear about the golden state killer i don't care about michelle mcnamara and i was like dude we just got to her death i think we're gonna not have as much with her can we keep going he's like no i was like fine <laughs> we'll wait Oh, it's so good. And the Golden State Killer is a crazy, crazy story. It's so wild. He was a cop. I know. And the thing that kills me is that I'm not going to say what my name out of drag is, but it's like one syllable different from the Golden State Killer's name. Oh, no. (laughs) It was like when they said it's when they said they're like, it's Joseph D'Angelo. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? How dare you? <laughs> it, it was you the entire time. Who knew Pissy Miles was the impeachment queen and a serial killer from the 70s? What can we expect next in the podcast? What, what What's coming up? We have a lot of fun stuff planned. Uh, right now, we're, we're kind of working on getting a lot of our friends to come and talk to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing the podcast for a year now, and we've told a lot of our stories. There are still a lot of our stories that have not been told, but... Um, what we really want to do is start bringing on people to tell their own spooky stories and that's why i was saying you know by the i don't know when this episode will come out um neither do i i have a lot of drag race to cover so i'm putting it all together (laughs) yeah by the time this comes out i'll probably have released we're doing um a an interview this coming Sunday with Dusty Ray Bottoms. He's telling us some of his his spooky stories. We have um, some other really amazing guests who I can't announce yet, but uh, uh, we're 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 pulling in like all the favors from everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, listen, if you know us and we've ever done a favor for you, you're gonna come and be on the podcast and tell us your ghost stories. And it's yeah. it's always surprising to me how many spooky stories people have. 
Mm-hmm. It's always like things you wouldn't really expect. Uh, and so I'm very excited to to get to hear everybody's spooky that's story. That's so fun. That's that's kind of where we're going next. Um, we we also obviously have our Patreon that we started about mm. four, three months ago, four months ago, and that's been going so well. We you know every month we do we we do my spooky gay watch alongs where we post videos of us watching horror movies and we do like kind of riff tracks over them and and yeah. talk over them. We did Halloween. <laughs> it's nice, nice. Um, we, uh, we do spook my spooky gay sleepovers where we do like zoom calls where we're in our pajamas and just like hang out with people from the Patreon for, for a night. And like, it's so much fun. We, it's been such a joy. We put new mini sods up on the Patreon because we, we were originally doing a mini sode and a main episode every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we still do that, but we decided to move the mini sods to the Patreon uh, and so if you want to listen to the minisodes, you can, you can head on over to patreon.com slash my spooky gay family. And the minisodes are, if I do say so myself, very funny. We talk that. About a lot of crazy shit. In the nice. Yeah. It, it's funny about the, your watch longs. I have, a, um, sometimes I have, I have to put it on pause a little bit, but I do make Mike watch where I bring on guests and they come on and make me watch a movie I've never seen before. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So we'll we'll recap what I watch what I watched on the podcast, but they'll get to experience me watching it. I had Arya Darchi come on to make me watch. Um, uh, uh, um, oh my god, what movie? Black Swan. Oh, and you- I have a nail phobia, oh. <laughs> and she knows that, so she filmed me watching those scenes. Yeah, I was screaming. It's gross. It was, oh, it was terrifying. I hated it. But it was a good movie. I liked it. It's a good movie. I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorites. But no. I do, it's, it's, it's a, like you watch it once and you're like, okay, I did that. Yeah. It's not one of those ones where it's like, oh, it's Christmas. Pop on Black Swan. Like, it's, <laughs> right. it's never time to just pop it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to play a game called This or That, where I'm going to give you two things and you're going to pick which one you like. Oh my goodness. I love games. All right. First up, hot or cold? cold twitter or can i qualifications or like can i talk about them yeah absolutely oh i am not a hot person i hate the heat it it drives especially as like a fat person i'm like the heat does nothing for me it's disgusting Mm -hmm. yeah i i i am someone who sweats so i shouldn't (laughs) like the heat but i prefer hot weather than cold weather because then i put the ac on oh see i hate it because it's like if it's hot outside, there's only so much I can take off. If it's cold, that's true, that's true. I can put on infinite layers. I can, and especially these days, you can wear a mask. You can wear mm-hmm. a mask. It, you can, you can, you can bundle up like you are crossing Antarctica. But in the summertime, there is only so much I am legally allowed to take off. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> All right. Next is Twitter or Instagram. Mm, see i'm like <laughs> i'm i'm not a big fan of a lot of social media i will say oh between two of them it's instagram but really the answer is facebook because on facebook i feel like it's more like community based absolutely instagram and twitter it's all about like although twitter i guess less less so but especially instagram it's more about like cultivating likes it's more about like getting attention whereas mm-hmm. 
Facebook and I will say Twitter are more about a conversation. Although I like the setup of Instagram better. And I think it's just, I think when it comes to Instagram versus Twitter, I'm just more used to Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I don't use Twitter very much, I guess. I just started one for Block Talk and I'm like, I hate it already. I don't, I want to go off. It's not working. Complicated and it's not very intuitive, I find. Mm -hmm. So it's it's challenging. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I'm like, it's not reaching anybody. Why am I even posting? Exactly. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of anti-social media in a lot of ways anyway. I, but again, it's like that weird dichotomy of like, but everything I do is on social media. I make mm -hmm. I make so much of my business on social media. Right. But then I have to also come to terms with the fact that I fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we have cash or credit. Oh, who would pick credit? Cash? I only I only use a credit card. I never have cash on me. I will say I almost exclusively do use my my cards. Mm -hmm. But if it's in terms of what I'm getting, I would much rather receive uh cash than a absolutely, absolutely. Some kind of verifiable payment. <laughs> Next we have sweater or hoodie. Hmm. Well, at the moment, I'm wearing a sweater hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. I love that. I am. I'm wearing a sweater hoodie. Uh, so I guess both. I guess I'll say both. In, All right, I love in that. The name of what I'm wearing right now. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Coke. If you say Pepsi, you are either Joan Crawford or you're a, a Disney villain. Like there, <laughs> you are, you are a, a reprehensible human, and you deserve to be beaten. Modern or classic? In terms of what? Anything. Oh, uh, I guess anyone who knows me knows I'm a bit of an old soul, so I'll say classic. I think Alpha. that I like modern, like, culture mm -hmm. in terms of, like, where queer culture is at the moment. Although I will say I think the 90s were better, but. <laughs> it's true, it's true. In some ways. Uh, in terms of our culture, it was better. In terms of us as part of a greater culture, it was worse. Uh, but I'll say classic. I love like antiques. I love old farmhouse style. Every mm -hmm. I love Victorian houses. I like I like things that have like life in them. I'm like Phoebe Buffay. I want <laughs> I want the apothecary table where you can smell the opium. I love that. <laughs> All right, next we have Elphaba or Glinda. Elphaba. I I love Glinda, but if you if we're talking in terms of who gets the better songs, it's clearly Elphaba. Absolutely, it's her story. It's her story. Who doesn't want to be the star? Exactly. Next we have Patty or Bernadette. Oh, Patty, easily. Like that's not even a question. For, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. And I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for saying this. I saw Bernadette in a little night music and okay. it is the only thing i've ever seen her in live i don't know if she was having a bad show but i was like i was like this is the person everyone's been like ranting and raving over i thought she was like elaine stritch was in the show and i was like bernadette peters was eating the scenery and if you can Eat more scenery than Elaine Stritch. You have really done something wrong. Yeah. Oh boy. And I love Patty Lapone. I love Patty Lapone. Yeah, um, she she she's a national treasure. 
national, tre- international treasure. It's true. Right, ask Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> next is original Halloween or Halloween reboot. The answer is original Halloween, but I still love the reboot. Mm-hmm. Like if you made me pick between the two, the original is always going to win. It's the classic story. It is the one that made us fall in love with the franchise. It is the one that tells the most amazing story. It has the best scares. The new one is great. And I am really fucking excited for Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with 1978 Halloween. All right. All right. Dracula or Frankenstein? Dracula. Frankenstein is one of those weird, like, moral stories where it's like a mm-hmm. like a horror story but it's more about uh like the moral of the morals of dr frankenstein and uh kind of the inherent evil in nature and and all of that kind of craziness whereas dracula is just vampires and it's like yeah. I, i'm just here for vampires i don't i don't want to be thinking too hot <laughs> i want easy breezy beautiful kill people love it freddie or <laughs> freddie or jason Ooh. Hard one. Oh, this is so hard. I love Freddy for his his silliness. Mm-hmm. Like, like if Pissy Miles was was a supernatural killer from a horror <laughs> franchise, she would be Fre- she would be Freddy. Yeah. I think Sam would kill me if I didn't say Jason. Okay, all right, all right. All-time favorite. And when it comes to just sheer power, Jason wins. He Absolutely. Sur- he survived the lake. He survives fire. He survives space. He survived New York City. He has taken on everything you can take on in the world. I, I feel like that's a drag mix right there. Um, uh, Jason doing I Will Survive. He will. Oh, that is a good mix. I'm going to tell Sam about that. It may be her first drag performance. Yes, I love that. Okay, finally, we have Christmas or Halloween. Oh, God. Oh, God, this is so hard. I I love Halloween. Do not get me wrong. But anyone who knows me knows how obsessed I am with Christmas. Like, if I were to turn my camera around right now, you would see that I still have all my decorations up. I love that. Uh, I'm going to have to say Christmas. I'm sorry. It's all I, right. There you go. I know I have, like, a Halloween spooky podcast. But it's, <laughs> and Sam, Sam knew that answer was coming, but still is disappointed. <laughs> So you have an active YouTube account where you premiere some incredible original and parody songs. Mm-hmm. How important is digital content for drag artists today? I mean, these days it's pivotal because if it wasn't for digital content, we wouldn't be doing almost anything. Uh, I think it's really important, not only in building your base and in keeping your, your fans interested in what you're doing, but it's also a really good way to, uh, interact with them because they can be involved in a way online that they it, it, I should say it's a little harder to be involved in in person mm-hmm. I like performing in person 
far more. But digital content is fun. I, I do love, I've said many times, I, I would love to be able to do like the Pissy Miles show and do like a television network sitcom. That yeah, would yeah. That's like the dream. Because that's, I love doing shit like that, but it would have to be in front of a live audience. Right. Uh, I think digital content is very important and it is a lot of fun to do, but I, I think I would enjoy it more if I was doing it in conjunction with more live performances. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. So uh, 2017, um, we got a new queer icon, the Babadook, mm-hmm. and you premiered your song, Babashook. I did. And the video. And it went viral. How and why the Babadook? It was just a very strange moment. Uh, it was. Again, my husband and I were like talking and the whole thing was that Netflix accidentally put the Babadook in the LGBTQ section of the of the app. And everyone was like, is the Babadook a queer icon? Is the B an LGBTQ for Babashook? Uh and so it became this big joke, or for Babadook, I should say. And it became this big joke. And I was like, you know, wouldn't it be funny if we did like some kind of tribute to the Babadook? And my husband was like, oh, you should write a Babadook parody. And I was like, no, I should write a Babadook original song. And so I reached out to B. Ames, who is an amazing, amazing, amazing DJ and drag performer who used to be in New York City and now uh, I believe it's in Houston or Austin, one of those crazy places out in the landlocked state. Um, although I don't think Texas is landlocked. I think I made that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some water there. There's some water. It's not much, but it's theirs. Uh, and I reached out to B. Ames and I was like, I'd really love to do a song with you would you be interested in doing this with me and they were like absolutely let's do this and in like a matter of hours had like a hook and we i started I, like we wrote recorded and produced the song in like two days and then produced the entire music video in another like two or three days like it was less than a week then we did the whole thing because we knew if we didn't do it fast, it would be over and it would right. be. So we produced the whole thing really fucking fast. I wrote the song. Uh, I wrote the lyrics. B. Ames did some of the vocals, the background vocals, and did the music and mastered the entire song. And uh, actually, some of the some of the lyrics in the second verse were written by one of my very, very good friends, Topher Kusamano, who has helped me with so, so many writing projects. He, uh, he helped me write the story time with pissy video. He helped me write, um, the Delilah sketch in the pissy miles variety hour, my digital show that is mm-hmm. glam. Um, and now Topher is actually one of the executive producers and the directors of slag wars. The new, oh, very cool. Yeah. The new, uh, sex worker based competition show on Pornhub. It's so good uh, and and has been getting so much good press. And I've, I'm so proud of him. Topher is just, he's he's so funny and talented. And uh, I, I just, I have nothing but amazing. I say that about everyone, but I have nothing but nice things to say about him. I love Topher. Yeah, I, that video was so funny. I remember when he came out, I was like, this this is good. This, this is what we needed in this moment. You know, it's funny. I, I did an interview 
not an interview. I I did a podcast recently. It was a crossover with uh, Horror Queers. Do you know Horror Queers, the podcast? Yeah. It's a really great podcast. It's produced by Bloody Disgusting, which is a horror magazine and website. And um, we uh, we we interviewed Trace and Joe, who are the hosts of that podcast. Uh, and they said they were like, we used to use Baba Shook as like uh, an audio sample on the podcast. And I was like, it's so funny the way the world kind of runs in these like bizarre little circles <laughs> it's so wild so we play a game on the, on the podcast called the cameo game show and for the listeners if you're not familiar with the website cameo you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price but each celebrity has a different cost in this game you have to guess which broadway star costs more oh my goodness this there are some tough. there are some lovely broadway stars you can get a cameo from I had no idea. And you can get a cameo from Pissy Miles. <laughs> yes, you can. I've definitely used you in the game before. Oh, my goodness. How much did I go for? <laughs> um, well, no, no. It, it's the price that's listed on the, the website at, at that time. Um, yeah, I'm excited for these. Some of these people, I'm like, okay, you love yourself a lot, but cool. Well, and that's the challenge. It's like you make your own price, so it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to guess who? I really want to know who has bought a cameo from Caitlyn Jenner for a thousand dollars. I really would love to know that person. Mm -hmm. Dick Van Dyke is a thousand dollars on there. I understand that one. Caitlyn yeah. Jenner, I don't think so. I'm no way. Sure. All right, our first pair is Kevin Chamberlain or Leah Delaria. I'm gonna say Leah's more expensive. Leah is a hundred. Kevin Chamberlain is one thirty-nine. Really? Mm-hmm. And I love Kevin Chamberlain. Yeah. It's, it's his TV money. He, he's a TV star. Is he? He was on the, the, the Disney Channel show. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I Next we have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I would pay more money for Leah than Kevin. I would and too. She's incredible. I love Kevin Chamberlain, but I love Leah Delaria. Yeah. Next up, Laura Bell Bundy or Carrie Butler. I'm going to say... Laura Bell Bundy because I know how much she thinks of herself. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Laura Bell Bundy is 100. Carrie Butler is 79. I knew it. And uh, yeah, Laura Bell Bundy is, uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't know her personally. But she's the one, she's time, wonderful. The one time I met her, she was a little unpleasant to me. I can imagine that. <laughs> Next, we have some legends. Lorna Luft or Debbie Allen. Ooh. Mm, I want to say Debbie Allen because of like Grey's Anatomy mm -hmm. and fame. Like she is, she's big time. But I, I feel like it's Lorna Luft because she's, she's swinging that Sid Luft, big old swinging lefty dick around. She's one, she's one twenty nine, and, and Debbie Allen is two seventy. Really? Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say really. That was what I anticipated. Yeah. But, uh, good. You know what? Good for her. Debbie Allen's worth it. Deb, it. Debbie Allen did uh, Christmas in the Square. She wants her money. <laughs> Next up, this is an interesting one. Seth Rudetsky or Christine Petty? I'm going to say Seth. Seth is 40. Christine is 45. Oh, good for her. I'm yeah. Christine Petty. I love Christine Petty so, so much. I, of course, in my, in my virtual show, did a... Uh, and I did. I do Liza like pretty regularly, mm -hmm. actually. 
actually usually not in live shows but in digital shows i love doing lives of it because she's so much fun to just be zuni is like like absolutely bonkers with and um i reached out to christine actually after the first pissy miles variety hour because we were planning on doing a second one mm-hmm. and uh it, it kind of got tied up in a bunch of shit and we decided it was it was just too much work for david and i to produce ourselves um but i had reached out to christine to see if she would come on the show and do liza in the next liza sketch and she said that she liked the sketch and would be open to doing it but she had just moved and like didn't know where all her shit was and so she was like i can't do this one but reach out to me again in the future and then of course unfortunately the show never uh came to fruition so I would love to one day work with Christine. Yeah. She's funny. So, She's hilarious. Funny. They're, they're both very good on Sirius XM radio. I know. And I used to have Sirius. Uh, I, I canceled it after the pandemic hit, but um, uh, I used to listen to her on Sirius all the fucking time. I love Christine Petty. She's one. She's a good one. Next, we have Cheryl Lee Ralph or Jonathan Freeman. I don't know who Jonathan Freeman is, so I'm going to say He's the voice of, of uh, Jafar. Oh, I'll say Jonathan Freeman. He's 50. Cheryl Lee Ralph is 100. And you know what's funny is like, it's not that I think he's worth more than Cheryl Lee Ralph. I just always expect people to undersell themselves. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because that's what I do. I definitely think I undersell myself. And so I was like, I I think I keep like psyching myself out and being like, it's not going to be the one you think it is. So say the other one. Yeah. I'm really not good at this game. (laughs) All right. Next we have, let's see if you can do this one. Leslie Kritzer or the combo of Orfe and Andy Carl. Hmm. I'm going to say Leslie Kritzer because part of me is saying that um, Orfe and Andy Carl, Carl should be more since they're a duo. They're splitting the money. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm going to do the opposite of what I just said and and go with my first gut instinct. It, it was Orfe and Andy Carl. They're at 100. <laughs> Leslie Kritzer is at 75. But if you don't want them together, I think they're both on there separately. For also 100? Uh, no, I think that they're both at 50 or 75, I think. It is. Okay. See, that yeah. makes but see, my reasoning was right. Yeah, exactly. It was. Oh, God. I'm really just not good at trusting my instincts. All right. Next, we have Andrea McArdle or Susan Egan. Andrea McArdle. Yep. She's 100. Susan Egan is 99. <laughs> $1. And I knew it. And it's because Andrea. Uh... She's a legend. That would be rude. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Bonnie Milligan or Laura Osnes. Mm, I love Bonnie Milligan. So do I. I love she was in it. She did the workshop of a musical I wrote. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, how exciting! Yeah, oh, incredible. is she? So you've met her? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You know, her I, I've I've known her since she worked at the Flea as a, a bat, and I wrote in my review, "This is going to be a future superstar." Oh, uh, that and was in 2012. I, I watched her in Head Over Heels. And Head Over Heels was kind of like, it was cute for what yeah. it was. Like, it wasn't an amazing show, but it was it was certainly not bad. Um, 
but Bonnie Milligan deserved a Tony Award for that. Sure did. She was so fucking good in it. Um, I'm gonna say Bonnie. Bonnie Milligan. Bonnie is 45. Laura Osnes is 89. Why is Bonnie only 45? I know, right? She should be more. Get her on porn. Call her up right now. Get her right now. I should. I should. That she needs to bump it up. I'm actually sitting on, uh, so she did my uh, fifth anniversary um, uh, concert for my website a couple years ago. I'm sitting on a, uh, a Bonnie Milligan performance I never released where she sang Reba McIntyre's Fancy. Really? It's so good. It was so incredible. I'd love to see that. Yeah. My goodness. Next, we have Michael Yuri or Mandy Gonzalez. Hmm. I'm going to say Mandy Gonzalez. That's correct. Uh, She's 100. Good. Michael Yuri's 50. <laughs> Michael Yuri's only 50. I know. I, I want to kind of text him and be like, dude, up your price, please. <laughs> what are you doing, Sunshine? Uh, yeah, that's that's a little crazy that he's only $50. And again, it was like my instinct was he's done. He's got the ugly Betty. He's mm-hmm. really well known. Mandy Gon- Gonzalez is very well known, obviously, for In the Heights and uh and for uh hamilton and obviously her star turn in dance of the vampires but um (laughs) (laughs) and let me tell you one of my favorite performances uh did you you got to see it (gasps) wow you are if you like camp shit dance of the vampires is amazing my the one show that I went to see twice that was a massive flop that I got to see was High Fidelity. Oh, I saw that one. Uh, I only saw it once, and it was okay. I saw it twice in previews in Boston, so I saw the transformation of it. I was like, "What is going on? You're making it worse. <laughs> You're literally making it worse." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw Dance of the Vampires twice on Broadway, and. It is garbage. It is hot flaming garbage. But it is great hot flaming garbage. Yeah. Like if you like shit that is bad, this is perfect. It is so good. I uh, I love that kind of shit. Yeah, Mandy Gonzalez. Good for her. She right. And a- finally we have how much can you get a cameo from John Barrowman for? John Barrowman. Mhm. I have to guess how much? Yeah. Ooh, is it in pounds or dollars? It's in dollars. It's in dollars. Dollars. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say $2.99. Huh. Again, he's selling himself. That's true. That's true. John Barrowman, he's famous. He he, is. He's got got the real credits. He's a superstar in the UK. You know what? Get him on the horn. Call John Barrowman right now. I will. I will. Please. Thank you. Why is drag important to the community? I think it's for all the reasons I said before. Drag queens are like, drag queens are the community leaders. We're the ones who have to be responsible to kind of stand up and say, no, this is as far as your shenanigans will go here. And, uh, you know, we, we bring joy and light to the community when it needs it. We bring reverence to the community when it needs it. We bring protection to the community when it needs it. Uh, it, especially these days with the popularity of drag, I think it's important 
to have drag queens who hold the kind of original ideals of drag to to light which is is that you have to be a community pillar as well as a personality yeah i i love that <laughs> we talked about a little bit before why is it that social media commands so much importance in nightlife i mean there, there's a lot of different reasons, I think. And it, it's really just me pontificating. Who knows what the real fucking answer is? But uh, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Absolutely. I curse all the time. <laughs> I realized I'd been saying like all these like. Oh, harsh. absolutely. Um, I, I think it's a few things. A, it makes nightlife accessible to people who are not legally allowed to participate in it. Yeah. Um, you know, people who want to be involved in queer circles and are not old enough to partake in the bar scene. Um, it also gives people a way of participating without having to leave their house. And, you know, everyone's obsessed with social media anyway. So it's like, right. whether whether we were using it or not, people would still be using it. So you might as well be there, I guess is what it comes down to. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Drag pre-pandemic and drag post-pandemic will look very different. One reason is how drag artists will be able to interact with audiences. Do you think that will impact your performance at all? I mean, it already has. You were talking before about your friend Ryan, who I apparently put in a headlock. <laughs> it's a loving headlock. It's, it's very cute. Which is exactly the kind of headlock I like to give people. Um, I... I am very, I've always been kind of involved in like being up in, in people's faces. I think my drag, I, I shouldn't say drag in general, but my drag is very audience involved. There's a lot of audience participation. I don't, I don't touch people in ways that are inappropriate, mm -hmm. but I do, I do get them involved in numbers. I, I do put my hands on people's shoulders or I'll sit in someone's lap. Like I, as long as it is respectful, to, for the most part yeah. <laughs> i've i've been known to do it and so um i think drag is supposed to at least my definition of drag is supposed to have an edge it's supposed to be it's supposed to push people's buttons it's supposed to be uncomfortable to a certain extent in a fun way uncomfortable yeah. in a fun way um and so it's already changed my drag i can't there are whole numbers i can't do because they culminated or or something in, in them involved audience participation in such a major way that like the number is not the same without it right. so there are whole numbers i don't do anymore there was a uh there's a mix i do of mary catherine gallagher where i <laughs> i you know at at the end of the movie when she's like making out with the tree mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'll pull someone up on stage and i will like put branches in their hands and I'll make them be the tree and I'll do the monologue to them as though they are the tree. And it's like, I can't do that anymore. Right. So what would that moment be without the person there to act it out? And the answer is it would be boring. So, uh, you know, the pandemic has definitely changed drag. It has made it more complicated. I really, I, there's no silver lining for me about COVID-19. I fucking hate it. It's just I been, agree. And uh, I, I can't wait for the day when we put most of it behind us. 
hopefully one day in the near future. Yeah, hopefully not too far away. So every time on the podcast, we play a game called Tea Time, where you get to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, people you've collaborated with, people you shared a poster with, people you shared a picture with, and tell us a fun <laughs> little story. I told you before we started then. <laughs> oh, well, believe me, I, that was good. It wasn't going to be included unless I had permission. But we have, I have some fun names, and we're going to start off with Pataya Hart. I love Pataya Hart. She is so... She's surprisingly silly. Mm -hmm. um, and she's obviously gorgeous. And I want to punch her in the fucking tank. Uh, she's so skinny and pretty. And uh, now obviously is Miss Gay America, which is such a huge thing. But Pattaya and I got to know each other because we both work for a company called Screaming Queens that is run mm -hmm. by Misunderstood. And so we would get sent out on these jobs together. And it's like, when when I first started working there, I didn't know a lot of the girls that well, and I had never met Pataya before I like had to pick her up in my car and drive her to a, a show and do a show with her. And she used to make fun of me because I would like I would always like put a period on a on a conversation by saying, Oh goodness. I would always be like, oh my goodness. And so now every time she sees me, she's like, oh my goodness. It's it's so stupid, but I love Pataya. She's she's very lovely. Next we have Epiphany. I <laughs> I have so many crazy stories about Epiphany. She is really truly insane. Like, but in the best way. Yeah. Uh, she's very sweet and I love her to death. I'm I do miss doing Wednesdays with her at industry. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I can't think of a specific story that is appropriate to tell in public. <laughs> oh boy, that's that's the tea we needed. There, there it is. Uh, it's like I I can't be like spreading her business. So that's fair. That's fair. Leave it at that. Epiphany has some wild fucking stories. And I remember I ran into her one day. I was coming home from the pines. I had done a show in the pines the night before and I was coming home and she was too. And she told me what she had been doing the night before. And I was like, you are a filthy hooker. <laughs> that checks out. I like that. <laughs> All right. Next is someone who's, I guess, retired, but like, I would love for her to come back soon. Judy Darling. Judy Darling. I love Judy just texted me not that long ago. I believe I think she was texting me to say like happy midwinter or happy Yule, or it might've been Merry Christmas. I can't remember what it was, but she just kind of pops up every now and then. And I love, love, love Judy Darling. Uh, she's kind of a witchy sister because we're both uh, pagans and we've bonded so much over that. She's one of those people that's so genuine and really caring and, and cares a lot about people which is why it's funny when like her ambitious side comes out because she it's like uh she'll say something and you're like oh that wasn't judy darling or 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 it should be that's not coleman that was judy right darling. right <laughs> but she's so funny and again one of those like gorgeous skinny women who i just want to fucking throw across the room <laughs> Yeah, I I think the last time I saw her, she did Heidi Ho's Invasion, and we're all like, "Is this the return? Is she coming back?" And no, one one and done. 
one and done. And that's the thing. And I got to say, I respect her a lot for it. She realized when the culture of nightlife became a little too toxic for her and it was affecting her in bad ways. And she was like, nope, I'm going to step back and I'm going to do this only as often as I want to. And she did. And good for her. Next, we have someone who I think is an absolute crazy person and I love dearly, Carrie Kerning. (laughs) I love Carrie Kerning. Um, Again, someone who I, (laughs) I know some very like, crazy stories about she, she uh, shared a couple stories when she was on the podcast and i was like i have I, no idea and i love 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 carrie kerning she's very very sweet um and very smart i think her drag is so smart mm-hmm. so well put together and so nuanced it's like it's the kind of drag you wish you saw more yeah uh, and and I love Carrie. I actually uh, got to sew a dress for her one year for DragCon. And that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. She's a, clo- she's, a clo- she's a lot closer with my husband than she is with me, although we are very good friends because they both are uh, designers. They're, mm-hmm. they're both graphic designers, so they bond a lot over that. <laughs> nice. Next, we have someone who is not a drag queen, but they're always near a drag queen. It's my favorite, well, maybe second favorite twink, Sky Casper. <laughs> Sky is uh, Sky is kooky. Um, I I became very close with Sky when we were doing when I started doing his Pink Eggs and Glam shows, mm-hmm. and at the time he was dating a guy named Sean, and Sean was a, 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 another one of those like very genuine, very sweet people, but it was like. Sean was one of those people where it was like, I wanted to punch him because he was like really attractive, but also like really sweet and nice and modest. And so it was like, you can't have both. If you're going to be very attractive, you have to pick, you have to have a bad personality. It's just the way the world works. Um, And so I went and did like, I did a Midwest tour with Sky and Sean and had the best time. Uh, And to this day still, produce things with sky uh sadly they are no longer together but um i still produce things with sky we just did a christmas show last mm-hmm. month and uh we're planning some more fun stuff for the not so distant future uh that i can't really announce yet because we haven't announced it but uh yeah i, I mean I, I would love to have him on the podcast i don't think he wants to come on the podcast but i think one day would. i think He'll, we'd have so much fun he would want to be on the podcast if i know sky well enough uh if there's one thing he loves to do, it's talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it was Glam Awards last year, two, two years ago, maybe. Um, he crashed at my apartment and we went together and it was, it was a lot of fun. He's, he's a wonderful guy. Yeah, he is. Next up, another wonderful person who was recently on the podcast, DJ Two-Face. DJ Two-Face. I love DJ Two-Face because he's one of those people that like, First of all, he's been, he was my DJ. He was the first DJ I had in New York City that was like my DJ every Thursday at Pieces. It was like we built a rapport. Yeah. I love Two Face so, so, so much. First of all, he's an amazing DJ. That's number one. Number two, he's very funny and he's easy to like talk to when I'm on stage and like we can kind of play off each other and 
then the best part of the night is when I come off the stage and I walk back to the DJ booth and we get to like Kiki and talk about all the shit I couldn't talk about when I was on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've walked back into the DJ booth and been like, girl. And then it's like the conversation just goes. And it's like, he is, he's so funny and so amazing. And I, I just, I love, love, love Larry so much. Yeah. He's one of the, one of the best in the business. He really is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that next. Reconsidering. That was me considering whether or not to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, next up is um, podcast extraordinaire Bob the Drag Queen. Mm-hmm. Bob is very funny. Uh, he was one of the first drag queens I became friends with in New York City. The first one was Miss Fame. She was actually the one who taught me how to paint. And uh, then I met Bob through a competition that I did that I ended up winning that is no longer in existence. It was called Miss Fish. Uh, and I I won and that was how I became friends with Bob and I got Bob to start coming down to Philly and I was booking him and that was how we became friends. Um, and the one like funny, not one, the one funny, I have a lot of funny stories about Bob, but the one that I feel most compelled to tell is that when Bob first got back from filming Drag Race, obviously he couldn't talk to people about it and people would always want to bring it up with him every time they saw him they'd be like oh my god i heard you. how was the cruise how was this and it's like you know better than that you know that like we all know where they were but right, we right. also all know that they can't talk about it so like why put them in a weird position and so bob would do this i remember i was hanging out with bob when he first got back and he was like i need to go to boots and saddle <laughs> <at the, laughs> to pick up a paycheck and so we went to Boots and Saddle, and on the way out from picking up the paycheck, we ran into, oh, God, I can't remember who. It's somebody. It was It was some, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. But they were like, oh, Roberta, how was the cruise? And Bob literally, Bob literally was like, oh, my God, hey, how are you? And they were like, how was the cruise? And he was like, okay, bye. And he just turned <laughs> and walked away. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? And I just like ran after him. And I was like, I was like, wow, that was impressive. He was like, you have to, he was like, what, what else can I do? And so right. that's just like hung out and we went to get manicures and Bob, uh, <laughs> Bob had his nails. He got uh gel nails. So he had to put them under the UV light. Mm -hmm. And I had lifesavers and gummy lifesavers. And I just put them, all up his forearm and he was like i bet i can eat every single one of those without using my hands oh my god i was like i dare you and so i have a i have a, a movie somewhere on my phone of bob just like making his way up his entire forearm eating gummy <laughs> it's so funny yeah next up jasmine rice labeja from the royal house of labeja my god the stories i could tell about labouge i call her i call her bougie mm -hmm. uh, it started off as jasmine rice labougie and then it turned into just bougie and then it turned into just bouge and now she's in my phone as shen yun she is <laughs> <laughs> she is my favorite person she is my best friend uh, she actually was at my apartment up until yesterday <laughs> she was here like all week because she has really of course here's me spilling her fucking tea uh she has really bad kidney stones at the moment and so she needed a little help just like 
taking care of herself. And so I was like, come over. I was like, I'm just working on stuff around the apartment. You can be here and help me like sew or do whatever the fuck I'm doing. Um, and so she just spent three days in my apartment. Nice. <laughs> I love Jasmine. She is a little crazy. One of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, stories about Jasmine that I'll tell you. I have two. I'll tell you two stories. On All right. Show. I love it. The first one is that I, our favorite thing to do after our show at Rise on Mondays. Every Monday we were at Rise doing Messy Mondays. It was me and Jasmine every single Monday up until the pandemic. And every night after Rise, we would go to the Times Square Diner and we would get dinner every night until like four in the morning. <clears throat> and one night we were there with, it was me, her, and I believe it was, I believe it was Two-Face was with us. And we were talking, it was either Two-Face or it might've been Reefy. I can't remember who, it might have been Reefy. Um, and Jasmine was like, ooh, girl, I felt so huge today. I, I felt like a semen whale. And I was like, a what? And she was like, a semen whale. And I was like, what the fuck is a semen whale? And I was like, do you mean a sperm whale? And she was <laughs> like, yeah, sperm whale. See, it's the same thing. And I was like, it really isn't. No, <laughs> not even close. Oh, my God, that's so funny. That's my first story about Jasmine. My other favorite story about Jasmine is that uh, one night we were walking to the diner and uh, we were just talking and this homeless guy asked her for money and she was like, no, I don't have any money for you. And we kept walking and she, she always goes out in like full drag. I, mm -hmm. I always take my drag off at the gig, but she always goes out in full drag. And then as she was walking away, he just screamed, you ain't fooling nobody. <laughs> and I was oh my God. <laughs> And so to this day, anytime she's pissing me off, I'm just like, you ain't fooling nobody. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> okay, let's see if you have any tea on Jacqueline Hyde. Oh, Jacqueline. I, again, one of those like really genuinely kind, caring people. I, I love Jacqueline. The first time we really got to know each other and work with you, we met through a mutual friend who I, I don't really talk about anymore. Um, but Jacqueline and I started working together when she replaced this other person in my Christmas show. Uh, it was called the Christmas wish. And Jackie is just like the best, like the sweetest person. And so like she would come to see our show at Barracuda and we would go out and get pizza afterwards. And she's one of those people that is just really, uh, like kind mm -hmm. and, and genuinely cares about the people around her, but she's also like really funny and sometimes unintentionally. My favorite thing about Jacqueline is when she got drunk at Take a Shot Tuesdays and fell off her chair. Did you? <laughs> see I've seen the video. I've seen the video. Oh, yes, it is one of my favorite. I think I saved it. If I'm being honest, I have the video somewhere. It is one of the best because the look of shock on her face is so. It's so entertaining. And she <laughs> has seen me basically do the same thing. So we both have like the story on each other. So it's it's fair that we each have. Yeah, she, she's she's taken this quarantine and said, I'm going to blow up. And she's blown up. And good for her. It couldn't have happened mm -hmm. to another person. Next is, is Young Cut. 
I love Izzy. I did, of course, my show with her and Jacqueline at Playhouse. It was called Shenanigans. Uh, and Izzy is very funny. She's, she turns great looks. I love mm -hmm. Izzy's looks. Um, I, I can't remember. I can't remember what happened. I remember one night at Playhouse. Uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so occasionally... Uh, my blood sugar will go low while I'm on stage. And you can always tell because I stop, I really stopped making sense. And Izzy was basically like, she was the one to be like, okay, I'm going to take over and then blah, 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 blah. Because she knew that my uh, my blood sugar was low. And she was like, you can go grab an orange juice. I'm going to take care of this. And so that's one of my favorite things about Izzy. Uh, she is, she's very sweet and yeah, very yeah on stage yeah, she, she's very kind I, i've always been a big fan of hers me too finally have to ask let's see if you have any any tea you can spill on sam baxter i have more tea than she would ever want me to spill <laughs> on sam baxter uh <laughs> i'm trying to think of the best story she i will tell her not to listen because she is very easily embarrassed um but I will tell you a, a funny story about Sam. Um, when Sam was probably like a teenager, we were in the car and we passed a farm that had turkeys. And my brother was like, oh, turkeys, like tried to make a turkey sound. She was like, that's not what turkeys sound like. Turkeys go, bah. And we were like, what? And so now to this day, if you ever look at Sam and go, bah, she will probably like want to chop your head off. <laughs> it's like the chicken dance on um, Arrested Development. <laughs> A doodle doodle doo. <laughs> so we're going to move into the pop five rapid fire where I'm going to give you five pop culture headlines, news stories, and you'll give me a word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about for each. Beautiful. All right, number one is Backstreet Boys' Brian Luttrell invites fans to join him on Parlor. Devastating. I know. Devastating, because I'll tell you, Brian was my favorite Backstreet Boy. He was so cute. He was the most adorable. I had such a crush on him as a kid, like, even before I really understood what those feelings were. Um, I had such a crush on Brian, but if he's a... If he's on parlor. Yeah, um, not, not, not a good thing. <laughs> a potential good thing here. Number two is Macaulay Culkin endorses removing Donald Trump from Home Alone 2. <laughs> you know what? I'm all for it. I think they should just superimpose like Pee Wee Herman. Wouldn't yeah. Well, apparently, I think in the Canadian broadcast of it, they removed that scene altogether for time anyway. There's no reason to have it. it does, it's not necessary. He was there for a cameo. Yeah, it was just a cameo. It was just supposed to be like, oh, look, we're in New York. It's Donald Trump. Uh, and fuck him. He is yep. not part of New York. We hate him. And uh, we're, I, think, I think he should be disowned from New York City. Oh, he can't set foot in here and, and without getting in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, just send him somewhere terrible. Send him, send him I don't know, send him to fucking Philly. Let them have him. <laughs> All right, number three is Scream 5 to be released on January 14th, 2022. Tentatively excited. Okay. I'm, 
I am. Oh, I have high hopes, but we talk about this a lot on my spooky gay family. The fifth sequel is always the one where shit goes wacky. <laughs> and we don't have Wes Craven. Right. I'm a little scared, but I'm hopeful. Now, I, I have not really looked into casting at all. Is Emma Roberts in it or not? I don't know about Emma Roberts. I know that Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette are returning. I don't, I haven't seen anything about Emma Roberts, although. Because that was the big, the big twist at the end of four, so. It, well, yeah, it was the big twist, but, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Scream 4, it's been out for a decade. Right. She pretty clearly dies at the end. I am from the camp of if I don't see a body, you're not dead. And that's Wait, are, you thinking of, are you thinking of Kirby? Are you thinking of uh uh No, I think uh, uh, at least my interpretation she, she, they rolled her out and 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 she could have been alive. They didn't say officially say she was dead. You mean Jill? Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's dead. Okay, all right. I mean, I'm, me watching so much Game of Thrones is like no one is dead until I see an actual body on that show. <laughs> I'm I'm going with I think she's okay, dead. Okay, all right. No, there's no need for Jill. Number four is WandaVision. You know what's funny? If you had asked me about this yesterday, I wouldn't have known what the fuck you were talking about. I'm not really big on superhero movies and and Marvel and all that. I like it, but I don't like <laughs> love it. Um, my husband, on the other hand, is obsessed with everything comic books and especially uh, the Marvel movies. Even though he was, he is his favorite superhero is Batman and he is a DC guy. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the movies, Marvel obviously wins because everything DC touches turns to garbage. Uh, but he was watching WandaVision last night and it was actually like kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, if more superhero shit was like this, maybe I would watch it. Uh, I like the idea of like the retro uh, sitcom style. I don't know how long that's, supposed to last or go on yeah but um yeah i liked that about it i the story doesn't really interest me but I, stylistically it was very appealing yeah i think i'm going to wait for it to come out fully and then i'll binge it because it seems like a very bingeable show that's i would assume so and he seemed to really enjoy what he watched of it last night so who knows talk to david maybe he'll have more to say than i will <laughs> all right number five is drag race uk season two Oh, I don't want to give away any spoilers, I suppose. Um, I, and I mean spoilers in terms of what I've seen, not in what I, mm. what I know, because I don't know anything. Um, well, by, by the time this comes out, everyone will know what would have happened in episode one. Okay, good. I, after watching episode one, there are a few girls that I like. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say there's anyone I love, but there are a few girls I like. I loved Joe. Mm -hmm. And we all know how that went. And I don't think that Joe should have been in the bottom. Nope. I don't think it was fair. I don't think it was, it was kind of nonsensical. It was very clearly David Bowie, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. Um, if you were going to read anyone, 
I would say it was any of the other cast members because no one really brought anything that interesting. Right. My opinion. Um, especially in terms of what we expect from drag race girls. It, I was, it was one of those things for me where I was like, it felt very hypocritical that you're going to judge Joe for not being a direct replica of David Bowie. But then you have someone like Tia Coffee who's wearing this jumpsuit that is just rainbow ones and zeros. That had nothing to do with her person. Exactly. So and it was it, like, what's going on here? I It felt to me like they were trying to prove a point. It felt a little bit like Scream. You know what I mean? Where it's like, mm -hmm. if, if Drew Barrymore dies in the first 10 minutes, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. It felt a little bit like that. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm not really here for this game. Uh, Joe was my favorite on the first episode. I thought that, that she was like the most interesting in the group so far. Yeah. I don't know how interested I am in watching the rest of the season without her. I, I'm I'm excited because for me I thought season one was top five best seasons in franchise history, and like it brought me my love for Davina DeCampo and I the do Rock Destroyers. I do. I just that. don't see that star quite yet. Yeah, I just nobody walked in the room and had me like, oh wow, I really yeah. want to see where this goes. I do like. I forgive me. I don't know her name. The Scottish Queen, Lawrence Cheney. Lawrence Cheney, yes. Uh, I do like Lawrence Cheney. I think I will end up liking her. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll I can see. tell that I can tell they they're already pushing her story forward. Yeah, very hard. And mm -hmm. who who knows? Who knows what to editing? Expect. It's it's a it's a fun little game. Yeah, <laughs> you're telling me. So I have a my previous guest asked my current guest a question, and this is a question from Max Pleasure. Mm -hmm. This is a fun question, um, kind of tying back to what we were talking about earlier. If you had to pick a new drag name, what would it be? Oh, I would pick, and I have said this many times, if I were Irish, like from Ireland, because I am of Irish ancestry, mm -hmm. but if I were from Ireland, my drag name would have been Tabitha Mornin. Love it. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I, I have always been, uh, I have always been like the most proud of that drag name. I also like, I like Kaylee and Conway because it's two things I hate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say I, it. It definitely would have been Tabitha Morning. I love that. I, I for a, a web series I was writing, I had a, I wrote a drag character, and the name I came up for that was Cassie Opiania. <laughs> she's a um irish king queen clearly i like that okay and then the other name that i came up with um earlier this week that i was like maybe i need to just start drag because i like this name um adele weiss wait what <laughs> adele weiss like the song uh, from uh, sound of music yeah I, I, I was very high when i came up with that and i could not looking for me at first i was like I was like, Adele Weiss. I was like, what? I was like, I'm not putting this together. Yeah. I like, I like, a, I think it would be Adele Weiss. Mm -hmm. would well, I was, I was like, Adele Weiss, she's probably the uh, president of the temple, works at the JCC. 
there, okay. there was a whole plot line. I was like, oh, okay. I was way, way too high for this, but I was like, that was funny. Um, All right. It's now your turn to ask my next guest a question. Do I get to know who it is? Nope. Do I get to know like what they do? It will most likely be either a drag artist or burlesque performer. Depends on my the 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 scheduling. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. Uh, what is the song that you are most commonly expected to perform that you hate performing? I love that. I love that question. I think that's a question you don't get a lot. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah. Well, I like to try to expand the Block Talk family. Who do you want to hear on a uh, future episode? Oh, my goodness. And it doesn't have to just be drag queens. Nope. Well, first, I will say Jacqueline Hyde uh, and Jasmine Rice LeBeja, my, my, my two girls. Uh, I would also love to hear Jelani Remy, who is a mm -hmm. real, uh, Broadway actor. I would love to hear Lila Lansing, if you haven't had her. Uh, I love, 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 love Lila. Uh, Bianca Lee, another really great um, actress and and uh, a really smart woman. Um, and Lady Bunny. I Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll message Lady Bunny and see what she says. She's not doing anything right now, right? No, why not? <laughs> Where can we find you on social media and Venmo and all the fun places? Uh well, it's Pissy Miles, P-I-S-S-I-M-Y-L-E-S. -S -S. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Pornhub, wherever you look. I promise I will be there. Uh, Venmo, it's at Pissy Miles. Uh, PayPal, it's PissyMiles at gmail.com. And that's that's really it. Uh, and definitely check out my Spooky Gay Family. It's my Spooky Gay Family on excuse me, on uh, <laughs> Facebook, My Spooky Gay Family on, or I should say, on Facebook, it's My Spooky Gay Family Podcast. On Instagram, it is My Spooky Gay Family. On Twitter, it is Spooky Gay Fam, at Spooky Gay Fam. Uh, and you can definitely check us out on patreon.com slash My Spooky Gay Family. We do, like I said, all kinds of fun stuff, and there's a bunch of different tiers depending on what your interested in getting and and able to afford at the moment uh so we, we're always always happy to see new faces yeah and, and we can and it's available on all podcast platforms all the podcast platforms spotify uh uh apple podcasts stitcher uh podbean pandora all of them it's, it's love it <laughs> it was such an honor getting to chat with you thank you so much for being here Thank you for having me and best of luck at the glams. Thanks really you too. All the best. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. Yes, please. The biggest thanks to Pissy for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.